I cherish my Sleep Number bed, and like all their beds, Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds lets you choose your ideal firmness and support on each side of the bed, your Sleep Number setting. Now with the new responsive air technology, this bed senses your every move and automatically adjusts to you so you stay sleeping comfortably throughout the night. Did you know that many of us fall asleep faster if our feet are gently warm? The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed can even pre-warm each side of the bed, so it's just right for both of you. Does your bed do that? My Sleep Number setting is 90. My Sleep IQ score was 81 last night. It's time you met the bed that does it all, only at a Sleep Number store. Come in now and enjoy introductory savings of $200 to $500 on the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. There are more than 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Call 1-800-390-9100 or visit sleepnumber.com to find the store near you. And be sure to tell them George Norrie sent you. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Matt Richtel with us. A Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times journalist, best-selling writer, of mysteries and thrillers. Books are fast-paced, character-centered stories in which things aren't always what they seem to be in the backdrop for these books. The modern world, technology is everywhere in his books. Everything moves at lightning speed from conspiracies to business, violence, technology being our slave, or has it become our dark master? The books relate to Matt's journalism. He won the Pulitzer Prize in 2010 for a series of stories on distracted driving. The next year, he wrote on a claim series for the New York Times called Your Brain on Computers, exploring how high technology use impacts our behavior and our brains. And it is my pleasure to bring to the program Matt Rick Tull. Hello, Matthew. Hey, George. How are you? I'm looking hey, my, forward my to mom this. calls me Matthew. Okay, you and your mom. We're the, me and that's it, huh? <laughs> I love it. I hope she's listening. That that would be cool. I worked for the Pulitzers back in St. Louis, back in uh, 79 through 82. Wow. And uh, just a great family. I mean, and, and their journalistic integrity is unmatched, Matt. It's just Yeah, incredible. no, I mean, it really, it, when you see you, when you see the amount of, of journalism created a year, the just the the ones that rise to the top. I I I, I don't mean to include myself, but but some of the stuff's just extraordinary. Oh, it, it really is. Has journalism changed because of the internet? Yeah, no question. And but it's part of the backdrop. But it will wind up as part of the conspiracy in in the latest book. We have seen the fight for attention, the brawl for attention cause all kinds of people who provide information entertainment to change how they deliver it and to, and to, frankly to take on tactics that are well i mean what do you think of what you see now in the media oh, you see some good it's, stuff it's not, not like stuff. i'd like to say it's not like my day and not yeah. that i'm that old but uh, it's not the same it's not, not the same. same i mean i just i i just want to hit you with a stat that is is kind of blowing my mind and it'll show you um, how far we've come. It, I, I think it's right now, Americans, I'm sorry, last year spent about 72.5 billion minutes a week, George, a week watching the news. And that was an 18% increase over the previous year. So I think we're doing, why I say we, I don't mean the New York Times per se or any particular institution, but we're doing a lot of attention getting techniques and, and some of them can 
Well, they can be a little destructive, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. A couple months ago, Matt, uh, the New York Times did a great uh, piece on our show and uh, on, you know, what we do. And it was really, it put it in their Sunday uh, magazine section, and it, yeah. uh, it was really cool. i got to ask you about your stories on distracted driving. Yes, was please. Is that like text messaging while driving and things yeah, like that? text messaging while driving well. Yeah. Speaking of things changing, you know, when we when I wrote that series in 2009, text messaging was was so novel in the car that we didn't even have warning programs and say uh, driver education campaigns. Right but now, if you look at the statistics, uh, what people will acknowledge doing in the car, they will Facebook, they will. I don't have the statistics in front of me. I, I can actually get them before our hour's up, but uh, they will Snapchat. Two hours. Will, You're with me two hours. Don't go in. Two hours. Yeah. Before these two hours are up. <laughs> before these two hours are up. Let me give you one stat, though, that came to mind for me, and this is from a survey taken from AT&T. You ready for this, bad boy? Ten percent of people, and this is ages, I believe, 18 to 35, so it's not merely teens, ten percent will admit taking selfies regularly while driving. Oh, jeez. Could anything underscore the selfishness more? And, and of course, as your listeners know, um, you know the the you can't conceivably be looking at the road and <laughs> at the same time. I mean, it's just you, you're a you're a drive you're a wreck waiting to happen. Reminds me of a Sammy Davis Jr. joke, uh, and of course he had one eye because he got into a horrible car accident going from Vegas to Los Angeles. In those days, some of the cars that you would steer had little handles sticking out of the steering wheel and you could oh, grasp right. it and right. and that that thing went right through his eye and blinded him in one eye well the the story is and i think it's probably true he got stopped for speeding once by a state trooper on that same road years later and uh, he rolled down his window and the guy said oh you're sammy davis jr and he said yes he said well you know you're speeding he says what do you want me to do watch the speedometer or the road oh, you know Meaning, well, I think they let him go. Are you? Are you? Re- I just. I, I. I came up with it now in the middle of the night. You ready for a terrible pun? Okay. If that happened with your phone, it would truly be an iPhone. <laughs> That's probably Thank right. You. I'll that be works. here all week. That works. Well, Honolulu has just passed a law that takes effect in October. Yep. You. You cannot walk in text anymore. No. Is that? Is that true? Yeah. They just passed it. It takes effect in October. You cannot walk across the street. Uh, across the street. Try, across the street, text messaging anymore. Well, look, let me let me address it. I mean, it, it sounds amusing, but let me address it on a, on a serious note and a, maybe even a neurological note. Okay. The, first of all, I did a story a few years ago showing um, with using concrete evidence from um, emergency rooms across the country that walking and texting accidents were on a market rise. They were actually going up and 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 pedestrian crashes at least in the uh, while I work for the New York Times I'm based in the Bay Area in San Francisco and the there have been a, a big increase in pedestrian car at wrecks there and it's that's one of those cities where you have people driving and people walking a lot what is really going on can I take you inside the brain a little bit Suppose, okay? please let's do it well look I mean big, big first principles we started with the idea of attention. Everybody's trying to get your attention. By everybody, I mean all the media, whether it's Google, whether it's Facebook, whether mm-hmm. it's Twitter. They make their, their shareholders, their quarters, depend on your attention. 
This is about your eyeballs, which they sell ads against, or sometimes subscriptions, but much more so ads. And they have effectively perfected the art of keeping you engaged. Yes. Now, how do they do that? Should, should I do a little neuroscience? Uh-huh, sure. All right. Look, let's, let, me, let me take you back. Uh, let's, let's do a little um, neuroscience bit I learned while writing some of this stuff. I want you to picture yourself as a cave person, and you are looking at a fire, and you get a tap on the shoulder from behind you. I would just ask you, George, could you ignore the tap on the shoulder from behind? No. And why not? You'd ha- I would just have to turn. You'd feel it on your back. You'd know there was something or somebody there, and you want to find out who it is. Is it? Is it? Is it a potential mate? Is it? So- is it someone who's a threat? Is it someone warning you of a lava spill? You've, it, it's almost instinctive. It, it bypasses your willpower. I would hope for me it would be a cave woman, but you never know. A cave. I mean, they. You know, you have a beautiful wife, George. No, I don't. No. Oh, no. Um, So, uh, you know, your cell phone is, in this respect, it is a proverbial tap on the shoulder from anyone, anywhere in the world. So if you think this very same mechanism is at play, when it rings, you are virtually as helpless as if someone were to come up behind you and tap on your shoulder. Is it your job? Is it your wife? Is it your kid asking for something? Is it... You know, is it is it the coast to coast show saying it's time for air, whatever it might be? So if you just take that mechanism alone and you think about how powerful the idea of uncertainty or novelty is, you start to understand the helplessness that you're up against with your device. Absolutely. And it, it's going to get worse, isn't it? Well, and, and it, it, it's, it gets worse because I, I just add in another factor. First of all, you've just simply got the uncertainty principle, but then you've got the nature of the information coming in. It's social information. And if, you, if we just go back to that cave person, may I, may I give you one other example sure. from the cave? Sure, please. Look, if you, and I are in, or if you and I can't communicate, social information is so valuable. If you put your hand, if George puts his hand in the fire and burns it, and you can't tell me, that you burned your hand because we don't we're not able to communicate mm-hmm. then not only do you die from an infection but i put my hand in there and i die and you we both you get die. it too that's right right so now the information on your phone is so social that's why the person walking across the street in hawaii is partly unable to even look up i mean i don't know that legislators have it has gone through their minds per se that people are unable to tear themselves away from their devices, but they're seeing the results in their, emer- in their emergency rooms among their constituents, and they're seeing it when they drive down the road, and they go, holy cow, that person next to me has a baby in the back, and he or she oh. is texting. That can't be right. I've seen people, Matt, walk across the street running into poles sending text messages. They're not yeah. looking. Uh, I've seen a couple uh, at dinner, two of them texting Maybe themselves, because they don't know how to talk with each other. But, I mean, they just don't look at it. Now, on the other hand, I've got to tell you, the technology, when it works, is absolutely riveting. Absolutely. I was in Everett, Washington this weekend. I had a live stage show event. And Tom was driving, and we had to get back to the airport to get back to Los Angeles. We didn't know where we were. He talks into his phone. And he gives the address, and this voice comes on and gives him pinpoint directions 
to get to the airport from Everett, Washington to Seattle. Now, to me, that's amazing technology. Well, not just amazing, but it, but it's life-saving in the respect that if he, if he had had to look at a map, that, that was much more dangerous. Yes. So just to be full stop here when I say what's next, this is not a screed against technology in any respect. It's just a call to recognize the forces that are wor- at work. And I might liken them to, like, the industrialization of food. You know, that meant more calories to more people, but it also meant the perfection of hyper-palatable, highly flavored junk food that is leading to diabetes. In that same respect, you would say technology is amazing. You and I are having a far-flung conversation on a serious issue with, what, 600 stations? 620 millions of listeners listening to you right now. And all of that owes to technology. That's all good. But if either one of us were to be, you know, hit by a driver who was taking a selfie tomorrow, that would be the functional equivalent of the junk food. Yeah, no, absolutely. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.